in its mouth to break sight of the blind man. It's down to the left child. We will survive in this country wilderness. Swimming through the waters of Babylon like a rebel fish. Jogging is specialist, critical and survivalist. Spirit heaven, fire from his lips. Burn a slave driver. Welcome, listeners, to Time for an Awakening on Black Talk Radio Network, new media for the new millennia. This is a history and current events program from a cultural perspective. We find this program necessary because Hosea 4 6 states, My people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. We as a people, can turn this around. Proverbs 4, 7 states, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Thought I'd get and get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. We're streaming live. At several locations, you can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the home page, and catch the live stream. At that location, you can go to www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening. Again, that's www.blacktalkradionetwork.com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there also. You can go to a bb2me.com. That's A B I. B-I-T-U-M-I dot com forward slash time for an awakening and catch the live stream there. Or you can download the TuneIn radio app to any of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. And then at TuneIn search engine, just type in time for an awakening. There you'll see the icon and you can stream the program live, even into your car if you have the Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's time for an awakening radio program with the live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. And at Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening radio program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor before you leave that page, just hit that like button. It's Time for an Awakening radio program with the fan page on Facebook. And time for an awakening media is there. Always follow the latest podcast of the various programs on time for an awakening media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times, and share with your friends. Also, check out that time for an awakening marketplace and our partnership with the BB Toomey. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's timeforanawakening.com. Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for an Awakening Media. It's 7.07 here in this uh, kind of brisk Sunday evening here in the city of Philadelphia, and we're in Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening radio program. Our guest this evening, activist, organizer, and director of the Black Autonomy Network, 
of community organizations, Banco, Reverend Edward Pinckney, will be joining us this evening to talk about what's going on in Benton Harbor, Flint, and other urban areas where predominantly African Americans uh, live. It's problems going on, and they're not isolated. Uh, we'll be talking about the things going on in Benton Harbor there with our guest this evening, activist and organizer, uh, Reverend Edward Pinckney. Uh, we'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors. Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, brothers and sisters, our friends and, and our enemies. <laughs> Everybody is here. You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Overworked? Suffering with an underperforming company, headache customer, staff, or vendors? Or are you a startup who wants to get it right the first time and avoid the costly mistakes? We turned a $24,000 a year odd job handyman service into a seven-figure high-end custom home builder and commercial contractor licensed and operating in three states. This is just one transformation created for entrepreneurs like you in various industries around the country. Not what you're used to from accounting and business consulting? Well, welcome to New Business Solutions. If you're ready to go beyond advising, coaching, and training and get implemented results, call 301-244-9072. Let New Business Solutions apply the best comprehensive administrative accounting, operations, human resources, management, sales, and marketing to help you actualize your vision for yourself and your company. 
from anywhere nationally, call 301-244-9072. Spelled new as in numerous on your device right now. Book your free consultation at newbusinesssolutions.com. History is a clock that people use to tell their political and cultural time of day. It is also a compass that people use to find themselves on the map of human geography. History tells of people where they have been and what they have been, where they are and what they are. Most important, history tells a people where they still must go, what they still must be. The relationship of history to the people is the same as the relationship of a mother to her child. From antiquity to the present, our people need to develop a new paradigm. It's time for an awakening with your host, Brother Elliot. Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at Time for an Awakening at gmail.com. Welcome back. The time for an awakening is 11, uh, 7 12 here in the city of Philadelphia, and we're in the Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Before we get started with our program this evening, I want to welcome in my co host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide, African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 7th and Arch Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard. Yes, sir, Brother Elliot. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm all right. You know what, Elliot? My hands has been cold all day. You know, I done bought some gloves. Oh, my God. Come on, man. <laughs> I know you kidding me, man. You, you oh, got to be. I'm serious. I, you know, because I was like, I don't know. I'm like, dang, ain't they? I said, I don't know if I got bad blood or what. But... You wouldn't walk down the street with a pair of gloves on, would you, Richard? Hey, look. I went in the store, bought them, and put them on. <laughs> so, I yeah. got them on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I, I, do, I do juice beets, so I, I think my blood is all right, but I'll leave that alone. But, um, yeah, you know, it's 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 just interesting. It's going to be interesting to um, hear um, Reverend Pinkley give us an update on what's going on in um, Flint. And this, what's the other, the, the city that he's in? He's in? Well, he's in, he's in Benton Harbor. He's not going. Right. Yeah, he's not going to really be. Uh, well, Flint is involved in the conversation, but uh, mm-hmm. it's things going on in Benton Harbor now that our folks need to know about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, I, I saw a uh, a clip that he was on. Somebody interviewed him on one of those uh, news channels about you know what was going on and what he has been doing up there. But uh, Reverend Pinkney has always been active up there in right. that area. He's been on several times before before this issue even popped up or came up. Right. So uh, it'd be good to have him back on to, to kind of let folks know what's going on up there and and, uh, and what he's doing in relation to it. Uh, he did let me know that he had uh, uh, folks that, they, that scheduled to call him from prison uh, between 7 and 8, mm-hmm. and then he, he's going to join us in the 8 o'clock hour oh, okay, to, uh, to go into this issue. Uh, so until that time, we can kick some things around and get some callers on if they want to get involved. The line is open always at 215-490-9832. Richard, um, a couple of things that, uh, I'll just throw out there and we could touch on, uh, uh, just in conversation. Um, the attorney that represents the farmers or some of the mm-hmm. farmers, uh, uh, attorney Henshaw, Jillian Henshaw, 
uh, sent some information a couple of weeks ago and uh, I didn't get to share it with the listening audience. Um, I kind of touched on it when, uh, when uh, Brother Carlton Sanders was on and uh, uh, mentioned that uh, she said that they had uh, called in a special session of, of uh, the legislatures to debate on uh, the money that was allocated to black farmers and reducing that amount. Um, that seems to be the only thing they were really discussing. Because if you remember, Richard, uh, maybe about three weeks ago, I had mentioned that they had a special session uh, of Congress uh, that the the Jews wanted an extra $1 billion right? Uh, that wasn't allocated in the budget. Right. I think they, the, the money that they were allocated to, to four billion, whatever, how many billions they, they were supposed to get, it was already allocated and they, I guess they received it, but they wanted an extra billion that wasn't discussed. So they had to kind of vote on it in a special session. And it passed uh, bipartisan. And it passed uh, with flying colors with the Black Caucus. Um, mm-hmm. I mentioned, the, uh, I think it was four caucus members that voted against it. Uh, Rashida Tlaib, um, uh, uh, boy, uh, um, Ayanna Presley, and a few others mm-hmm. that voted against it in their comments and reference to it. I, I'll have to find an article if I want to refresh the audience. But uh, she did send me some information on what was going on. And one of it comes from a published report in Politico. And I, w- I want to read that, Richard, because sharing this with the listening audience, you kind of really see what's going on. And, and, you know, are we being played for fools or we don't have the proper information? That's, that's the question. Mm. because I, I don't think our people are foolish at all. But if we don't have the proper information, you can be made to look like fools. Now, let, let me, there's a couple ones I want to share until we have our guests join us. Um, this published report came out of political. In fact, both of them did. But let me read the one that she sent me, and this was dated uh, September 27th. It says, House Democrats prepared to redo debt relief law for black farmers. But the Democrats in the House Agriculture Committee are preparing uh, another attempt at debt relief for black farmers and ranchers as a part of the larger $3.5 trillion social spending package crafted in the chamber this week. A document leaked by GOP members of the House of Ag include uh, $28 billion in cons- uh, conservation spending as previously expected. It also amends sections 105 and 106 of the last COVID relief package known as the American Rescue Plan, which provides an estimated 4.5 in debt relief for African-American farmers and pays for technical assistance at USDA and funds uh, other equity initiatives. Those payments, however, have been stymied by legal challenges. Now, Richard, one thing I noticed in this article so far, it says that the document was leaked by GOP members. Mm -hmm. Now, you got a, 
uh, quote unquote, uh, uh, democratic, uh, Congress. Right. And it's black members of the CBC that sit on that agricultural committee. And just for the sake of, uh, uh, knowledge base of our audience, the chair of that committee is David Scott of Georgia. Now he grew up on a farm and his grandparents were sharecroppers. Uh, who else is black? Alma Adams is the vice chair and the chairman and the vice chair are black CBC members. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joanna Hayes of Connecticut sits on the committee. Bobby Rush of Illinois sits on the committee. Uh, Antonio uh, Delgado of New York sits on that committee. Uh, Stacy Plaskett sits on that committee. Al Lawson of Florida sits on that committee. Uh, and Sanford Bishop of Georgia sits on that committee. So you have several CBC members that sit on that committee. And our people need to write these people, blow their phone up or whatever, and ask them why haven't they come to the black community and let them know exactly what's going on uh, in that agriculture committee where they're, they're lowballing, debating, or whether to give our farmers what's due to them and what's been due to them. And that $4.5 billion, be honest, don't even scratch the surface because that organization, that uh, um, USDA, was set up right after Reconstruction, and it basically gave our people the shaft ever since it had been set up. There you go. But, you know, they don't let our people know what's going on in those meetings. This, this, what I'm getting ready to read here has been leaked by GOP members, supposedly black folks' enemies. Uh, to be honest, it's no different, just like Malcolm says, it's no different, it's no more Democrat and Republican, it's conservative and liberal, and both of them is enemies of black folks. But, you know, from what she sent, and I won't read all the figures, but they're talking about reducing it from the $4.5 billion to a little over a billion dollars. But the money is going to different places and the black farmer part is scratched. So you know what that means. Mm-hmm. Everybody that, that that knows this system, knows Europeans, knows what that means. But let me, I just want to read this other article, and, and, and I want the listening audience to pay close attention because I'm going to highlight some of the things here that's stated for our people to really get a grasp on. Uh, and the title of the article is a Historic Debt Relief for Minority Farmers Face Legal Juggernaut. A string of, of legal defeats for a groundbreaking pro- program to forgive debts of black farmers is presenting the Biden administration with a stark choice. It can continue to fight and risk further setbacks or give up and disappoint activists and lawmakers who have championed the cause. The estimated $4 billion program is under siege uh, by legal groups, including one founded by close aides to former president Donald Trump. 
Uh, these groups have filed at least 13 lawsuits arguing the debt relief effort unconstitutionally discriminates on the basis of base, uh, excuse me, discriminates on the basis of race. So far, three different judges have issued preliminary injunctions blocking the program nationwide as litigations proceed. The Justice Department could appeal, but hasn't. Department of Justice rarely gives up without a fight in such cases. But legal experts say Biden's administration's best move at the moment might be to huddle with congressional allies and come up with a program more likely to pass muster. Otherwise, they say, there is a danger of provoking court rulings that might undermine other programs uh, aimed at uh, remedying discrimination. One legal expert says he would be shocked if the administration allowed the fights over debt relief program to reach the Supreme Court or even press forward with appeals. Obviously, with this uh, cluster of cases, they're not going to blindly go before a federal court of appeals and run the risk of that kind of defeat, setting the stage for a Supreme Court defeat. William and Mary Law School professor Neil Devins said, probably better hope that Congress would clean up the statute. Another lawyer involved in crafting affirmative action programs said the minority farmers debt relief law in the form passed in March would be sure a sure loser given, given the present makeup of the court. I don't think they have a chance in hell of prevailing with the current court, said the attorney who asked not to be named citing sensitivities due to ongoing work with groups active on the issue. Several lawyers said that they believe if the program reached the Supreme Court in the current form, the justices would reject it perhaps by as much as eight to one margin. The debt relief, according to supporters and activists, is the key to bringing justice to farmers uh, uh, of color, black farmers who left, who were left out of USDA programs and assistances as a result of uh, abusive language, uh, lending practices and outright discrimination over the past century to the present. To dole out the program's payments, the Treasury has set up to pay 100% of black farmers' outstanding debts and additional 20% to cover liability fees and other loan costs. While the payout process was set to start in June, a temporary restraining order and preliminary injunctions issued have stopped any payments. But the USDA is still allowed to continue readying the payments and notifying farmers of eligibility in case the program is deemed constitutional. Several legal experts says that the minority farmer statutes seems to suffer from exactly the same problem the Supreme Court seized in 1989 to torpedo an affirmative action program in Richmond, Virginia, that sought to give minority-owned firms a 30% set-aside of city construction contracts. I found it sort of weird that Congress, 
when it enacted the farmer's debt relief statute seemed to make, uh, excuse me, let me read that over. I found it sort of weird that Congress, when it enacted the same farmer's debt relief statute, seemed to maybe make the same mistakes, Devin said. You have sort of a poorly drafted statute. I'm reading this and thinking, this is the same stuff. In City of Richmond versus Croson, Croson, the Supreme Court faulted the affirmative action program at issues for sweeping in Latinos, Asians, Eskimos, and Aleuts, despite the lack of evidence of discrimination against those groups, or that some had, had ever sought contracts at all. Under Richmond's scheme, a successful black uh, entrepreneur from anywhere in the country enjoys an absolute preference over other citizens based solely on their race. We think it's obvious that such a program is not narrowly tailored to remedy the effects of discrimination, says Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. Richard, before I continue this, do you you notice what they're saying here? (laughs) These legal experts are saying that the way that legislation is crafted, it's never going to pass. Mm-hmm. Because what the so-called legal experts are saying, by bringing these other people in, see, if you say just black, they're going to say, no, 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 that's reverse discrimination. So when you when they craft it and bring other people in, just like it states here, then you have to prove. Now, let, let me read this again. In the city of Richmond versus Croson, the Supreme Court faulted the affirmative action program at issue for sweeping in Latinos, Asians, Eskimos, and Aleuts, despite the lack of evidence of discrimination against those groups in that city, or that any of them ever sought contracts at all. So they're putting our people behind an eight ball, and these black elected officials, and some of them are attorneys like Cory Booker, you don't realize that the way this thing is crafted, it's going to fail. You don't tell the people this. That's a, Richard. Now I'm no legal. I'm no attorney at all, but I do understand the English language. If I read it, right. It's saying that if they just say, give this to black farmers, it's not going to pass because it's reverse discrimination. If they include other people in like we got a tendency to do, it says Latinos, Eskimos, Asians, you got to prove that they've been discriminated against. And if you can't prove it, the whole thing gets thrown out. I mean, that's what it's saying, Richard. Maybe yeah, that's no, that's, that's, that's what it's saying. And, and it's, uh, and you know, the, the third word that comes to my mind is the, the purpose of getting the $4 billion was because of the neglect and harm to the black farmers. I mean, that was, am I, am I following that right? Just by that statement? Yeah. Yeah. So, but, it, but if you say black farmers, they're going to say, no, 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 no. You can't, that's reverse discrimination. And, and that's only because the banks and the large farmer, white farmers petitioned the government, petitioned the judicial system 
to say it's reverse discrimination. <laughs> but but the, the the agricultural department, you know, they had agreed that the farmers were harmed. That's why they were allocating his funds. So it, that's that's the, the 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 logic I'm dealing with. To get to your point, then when the, these committee people on the agricultural committee was on the committee and they were debating for whether they were harmed and therefore should get this, which obviously at some point, right, the committee agreed, they persuaded or the committee agreed that the farmers were harmed and this should be the amount allocated. So the only pushback was from outside, not, but now they're, as you're saying, I'm just, maybe I'm just trying to process this for myself and it might be processing differently for others in the time for waking audience. Now, and they're saying, well, since the large farmers, white farmers and the bank, because the bank is included in this too, is saying that they didn't want to provide the black farmers with that amount. They took it, the committee decided to rewrite it to include these other people thinking that was going to go through. Is that, I mean, based off of the reason? Well, but that's what I'm saying. They included these other people. They're telling the public and the black public, because white folks don't care where the black farmers get any money. They're telling the black public that are listening or that have found out about this, they're hoping it goes through. But from what I'm reading here, these legal scholars are saying it's never going to go through because the way it's drafted. Right. Which, and that's what, that's what the the part that I'm, I wanted to connect for clarity, because wouldn't you think that these, if nobody else, that the black congressional leaders in that committee would have consulted. Would know this or consulted some legal scholars if they're not lawyers at all. Exactly. Corey Booker's a lawyer and there's probably others that's lawyers. Now let me, let me, let me read a little bit more of this, Richard, because this one legal scholar. Now you've got other ones that have made comments, but they kept their name anonymous. This one here, uh, uh, Devins, uh, what's his name? Neil Devins. Uh, of the William and Murray Law School kind of put his name to it. Now, I'm going to continue it, but I'm going to read what he states again. Devin says, you have sort of a poorly drafted statute, and I'm reading this and thinking this is the same stuff that failed in 1989. I don't know where they got the definition of who was included, Devin said, of the Farmers Debt Relief Program. It's really what happened in Croson. This is really irresponsible. The sentiment was shared by U.S. District Court Judge Marcia Morales Howard, who issued the first preliminary injunction on the debt relief. It appears that adopting Section 105, a strict race-based debt relief remedy, Congress moved with great speed to address the history of discrimination, does not move with, did not move with great care. Indeed, the remedy chosen appears to fall well short of the a delicate balance 
accomplished when a legislative enactment employs race in a narrowly tailored manner to address specifically compelled governmental interests, says Morales Howard. The court has carefully balanced the inequities and is convinced that they favor the halting of a program that is significantly likely to violate the constitutional guarantees of equal protection under the law. While Chief Justice John Roberts has proven to be a swing vote in some issues in recent years, uh, questions questions of race are not among are not among them. Indeed, he's one of the court's most vocal conservatives on cases that involve race conscious government action. Roberts says the way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. <laughs> okay. Although many politicians took credit for the debt relief provisions, when they were pa- <clears throat> excuse me, when they were passed and signed into law, their offices declined repeated requests to explain whether the measures was legally vetted and by whom? Do you, Richard, do you hear that? Mm-hmm. And listening audience, listen to that clear. These legal experts say that the way that was even tailored legally, it was never going to pass, even though they passed it by vote, playing a game. Now I'm going to read that again. Although many politicians took credit for the debt relief provision when they were passed and signed into law, their offices declined repeated requests to explain whether the measure was legally vetted and by whom. The White House, which conducted direct outreach to farmers about the program, has declined to comment on specific questions surrounding next steps and the way the provision was drafted. However, Chris Meager a White House spokesman noted that Agricultural Secretary Tom Vilsack and the White House leadership are engaged on this issue. A White House official also emphasized that black farmers were disproportionately excluded from earlier rounds of aid during the coronavirus pandemic. Vilsack has previously noted that more than 99% of the coronavirus assistance program uh, meant to aid producers of the food supply chain, went to white farmers. Even though black farmers accounted for about 5% of all the producers. 99% of the money went to white farmers, Richard. Mm-hmm. That disparity is due to long-term cumulative effects of discrimination and systematic barriers that have existed in the USDA lending programs and other programs, a White House spokesperson said in an email comments to Politico. Several lawmakers who champion the cause have been silent on the issue as the aid program has stalled by legal challenges. Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey, who introduced the first bill this session to address discrimination by USDA, USDA and provide debt relief, declined through a spokesperson to comment. House Agriculture Committee Chair David Scott, who included the debt relief in the House version of the pandemic bill, 
also declined to comment on the drafting process and potential solutions. Do you hear this, Richard? See, this is what I'm talking about, about our people being screwed by their own people. People understand what I'm talking about. We got to get these people out from claiming that they're in some leadership. They ain't even serving, let alone leaders. Like Brother Ralph called up, they're supposed to be servants. They ain't doing nothing but screwing you and playing games with these other people. From what these, this white author said, that that bill is not going to pass the way it was even tailored. And then when they turn around and contact these black politicians in reference to, well, who vented this? Uh, we're your legal people that did this. They don't have any comment, Richard. Now, here it is. Only Senator, now listen to his comment. Only Senator Raphael Warnock, Democrat of Georgia, who introduced the bill, whose provisions were later adopted by Scott, addressed part of the issue. This is what he said. The Justice Department has indicated that they will defend the law, one had told Politico. In the meantime, I am supportive of Senator Christian Gilbrand's bill that would provide debt relief to farmers under $250,000. Gilbrand's bill, the Relief for American Small Farmers Act, was introduced in May of 2020 in an attempt to stem the growth of USDA debt held by small farmers and to combat the rise of farm bankruptcy. While the bill isn't aimed directly at providing redress to historical discrimination, the bill benefits on the basis of economic criteria. Now, now, do you hear that, Richard? Yeah, yeah. Not that I understand. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait a minute. Booker and Scott. Scott is the, the just like I've said before, he's the chair of the Agriculture Committee. He's black and a CDC member. He don't have no comment. Booker don't have no comment. Uh, Warnock's comments was, well, uh, I'm supportive of Christian Gilbrand's bill. And that ain't even directed towards black farmers. What does that have to, just like this author says, he addressed part of the issue. He didn't even address what this is a pertaining to. This is pertaining to black farmers being discriminated against. He's talking about he, he uh, some Christian Gilbrand out of, 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 of a bill, uh, supportive of some debt relief for farmers in general, which means black farmers going to get screwed because you didn't already seen this pandemic relief went to 99% white farmers. So how you what is what are these people doing? Just like that thing I always quoted at the beginning of this program, our people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Our people are not stupid. They just don't have the proper information. Write these people. I just read to you all them CBC members that sit on that agriculture committee, those drones. Write them some letters. Blow their phone up. Ask them what the hell are you doing to your own people? especially the one that's chair of that committee that grew up on a farm whose father and mother were sharecroppers and grandfather was too. What, what is he doing? Was he getting his pockets lined so he don't care what happens to those men? Is something wrong here? Then when you question by this white media, you don't have any comment? It says here, most farmers, operate, most farms operated by blacks are small 
The average size of the black run farm is 132 acres. According to the 2017 agricultural census compared to 431 acres for the average white farmer. Vilsack, I'm going to wind this up here, bring it to the conclusion. It says Vilsack said in the statement that the agency is standing behind the current minority debt relief program despite the grim legal picture. USA, USDA remains committed to implementing the program in accordance with the congressional direction and also in compliance with the direct direction from the court. Well, that's two different. T- you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. Richard, did you just hear what he just said? Mm. The USDA remains committed to implementing the program in accordance with the congressional directive and also compliance with the direction of the court. The court said it was illegal. So what are you saying? And black farmers had already said that this guy Vilsack was a big problem anyway. Because mm-hmm. he was here to the U.S. Day when Obama was sitting in there and getting screwed black farmers. And didn't he wrestle that or they wrestled that position because the, the black woman that's the congressperson that's now head of, what is she? Uh, she's on another, didn't she want to be on the um, agricultural committee? And they said, no, give it to Vilsack. I'm trying to think of um, who that was, but I can't think of it. Uh, yeah, I, that, me too. I, I forgot. <laughs> I'd have to look back at some of the other notes. Mm-hmm. And we don't have a... <laughs> a, a you say Otis is not yeah, brother. You don't see brother Otis. He usually jump on stuff like that. Uh, well, let, let me do a couple more paragraphs. I'm gonna read. Um, the Justice Department spokesperson declined to comment on the string of court losses and on the claims. Wait, wait a minute. Hold it. <laughs> oh, hold up. Let me read this again. Uh. It says the USDA, and this is Phil Zach's comments, the USDA remains committed to implementing the program in accordance with the congressional direction and also in compliance with the direction of the court. Working in partnership, the USDA and Department of Justice are litigating the cases aggressively in all the district courts where the debt relief program has been challenged. Now, according to the attorney, they haven't challenged any of it. You remember what she said, Richard? Right, right. Now, it says here, the Justice Department spokesman, now this is Vilsack from the USDA. It says the Justice Department spokesperson declined to comment on the string of court losses or on the claims that the Justice Department is committed to pressing on with the legal fight for the program. So Vilsack is saying that the USDA and the Justice Department is committed. The Justice Department ain't said nothing. However, there is one noticeable sign that the administration may be skittish about soldiering on. When a justice issued a ruling last month striking down the program, uh, oh, excuse me, yeah, check this out, Richard. And this is the last uh, paragraph that I want to share. It says, however, there is one notable sign that some of the administration may be skittish about soldiering on. When a judge issued a ruling last month 
striking down the program protecting and giving work permits to dreamers, the White House wasted no time in announcing that the affirmative, excuse me, that the administration would appeal. Before 9 a.m. the following morning, Biden issued a statement calling the ruling deeply disappointing and saying that the Justice Department would pursue an appeal to fortify the initiative known as DACA. Hmm. Richard, when the court struck it down, they wasted no time, according to this article, in appealing it. They struck it down one day, and it says before 9 a.m. the following morning, the Biden administration jumped right on it. They ain't jumped on your stuff in four months, and you got 13 appeals against it. <laughs> they ain't said nothing. Mm-hmm. 13 rulings against it. They haven't appealed to any of them. It says uh, here, this final uh, couple sentences, it says, with the legal picture looking bleak, black farmers are still pressing on aggressively for debt relief they say it were, was promised and calling on the Biden administration to take action. Uh, according to John Boyd, this is a bad situation here. That's why I'm urging the president to come to the table here and let's find a way to resolve it. Uh, it could be a new uh, legislature. Well, I'm not even going to deal with it. You know, that's going into another area. But uh, that kind of lets you know what's going on here with, with this legislation, the way it was crafted. According to some of these white legal scholars, the way it was crafted, it was going to fail. And if they just said black farmers, it's going to, it would have failed. And therefore the question comes, what do black people, if you can't, we need targeted, targeted um, federal support Say that again. Uh, civil rights bill, the eighteen sixty six civil rights bill, and the economic was that civil rights, and the and the whole thing of the economic um, providing the economic, the need to provide economic equity, um, and then that was challenged not too long ago, and then you hear now over and over again that anything that comes up that has anything to deal with black targeting specifically is can be challenged as far as being uh what's that uh rate or what's that reverse racism exactly right so how do black people get specific targeting because of and, the and, historical and, specific need and more than excuse me go ahead finish your thought and, and if you can't uh, identify them, identify us needing specific beings being targeted specifically because of the institutional inequity that has occurred. How you, does that happen? Well, you know, you got to have people that's going to sincerely fight on your behalf. These folks is not sincere. It's, it seems as though that they playing a little game with their own people. 
How do you, and let's say just poor lawyers, how do you crack this, this white legal scholar said, this is the same legislation that failed in 1989. He said it wasn't written any different. So what are you doing? Where's the solutions? You know, one of the solutions here is that you've got to get leadership and we got to put leadership in that's going to really have an economic program directed specifically at our community. And I'm talking about enlisting churches, community groups, and others in these communities to buy from black farmers. Listen, I've been involved with some of these farmers. I had attended to me and, and uh, one of the past hosts that was on the program, Brother Reggie, had attended land loss conventions down there in North Carolina. You got farmers, for example, they said that the, in this article, the average black farmer has 132 acres. But from Richard, what I, what I experienced and heard the men saying that they might have 20 acres in production. They can't put all of the acreage in production because they can't get rid of the produce. Mm-hmm. Now, if you had churches, community groups in these cities, there's plenty of our people in these cities that's buying produce from Produce Junction the, the, uh, here in Philadelphia, the Amish and everybody else. They ain't buying from black people. When me and Reggie used to bring some of the farmers here, it was well, I was hard-pressed to get any of the churches to even host the farmers. Because this, this city here would have all kind of incentives for our people to, to buy from, from these Amish, which was white farmers. Here in Philadelphia, they gave WIC vouchers to white farmers. They gave senior vouchers to white farmers. And the city also had a thing called City Bucks in Philadelphia. Mm. They gave them to white farmers. And then they also had another stream of income where you could just go up there and buy. So they have four streams of income that they was dealing with. When I had the farmers here, the few churches that would set up, our people would come over there. They would patronize them. But some of the seniors would come with senior vouchers. Some of the women would come with those WIC vouchers. But our farmers weren't able to take them. Because it wasn't allowed. They wasn't from the state of Pennsylvania. They always got some old slick legal stuff where they make sure that they uh, cancel our people out. So some of our people that was, you know, that was up against it uh, financially, they just couldn't, they, you know, they want to use those vouchers. And I understand the seniors, you know, they, 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 they on a limited income. But why play these games? That's why you got leadership supposedly servants to supposed to make this way smooth for these farmers. They don't do nothing but play games and have these men sit behind the eight ball, losing their farms, losing their land that they can pass down to their children. Like you heard Mr. Sanders say a couple of weeks ago on this program, trying to call Cory Booker and Warnock and they give them a runaround. You know, Ellie, remember I was trying to remember the name of the uh, person that um, was wanted that the, to be the secretary of the agriculture, um, secretary of agriculture. And that was, um, what's the name? Uh, Ms. Marcia Fudge. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and I, and well, she was, was on the, the agriculture committee at one time. 
yeah, that, and 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 it's interesting. I'm going back to a, a, a article in November 11, 2020, the Washington um, D.C. Warrenville Heights Democrat uh, Representative Marcia Fudge on Wednesday endorsed Chicago, uh, Georgia Democratic uh, Representative David Scott bid to chair the House Agricultural Committee, shooting down speculation that she planned to seek the post. But she said she'd be honored to serve as Secretary of Agriculture in the upcoming presidential administration of Joe Biden. Now, what she did now, as you said, the, sec- the, the secretary now is somebody who was the secretary before who did the farmers dirty before under Obama, right? Mm-hmm. right? Now, what she gets is that she didn't get that. She gets the Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, which is which is interesting, right? But also, I'm looking under under her bio, and it says um, she is the recent chair, oops, recent chair of the um, Congressional Black Caucus. So you would think with this issue. Uh, a position that she wanted to get uh, the Congressional Black Caucus is a caucus made up. Um, let me see. Uh, Representative Karen Bass from California chaired the caucus from 2019 to 2021 when Representative Joyce Betty of Ohio became. Um, so let me see. Oh, excuse me. I, that's, that's She's somebody else. So it just seemed that Fudge it was moved, didn't get the position of the second of the agriculture, which she wanted, but she gets uh, urban and, and uh, urban and um, development, you know, housing, which is going to be interesting, the housing and urban development, because when a uh, Reverend Pinkney, I would assume that that department comes in dealing with, you know, the water situation is that is in that, in that city that that's even under that department, there should be some coming out of a somebody that's the head of that department and making some, at least some public pronouncement. I'm just trying to make the connection that everybody is solemn and black folks is getting hurt. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, now I mean, Fudge is, uh, uh, they took some type of cabinet post and, and what she's doing with HUD, we, we discussed that on the program. Uh, we mm-hmm. discuss who even put her in that office. The money, mm-hmm. the money that put her there. Jewish bankers and, and Jewish uh, 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 donors even put her in that position to be a politician. We already went down that road. Uh, you had one other guy, a person that used to be on the agriculture committee. The, the, the congressman here from Pennsylvania, from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. He don't say nothing. He comes on a a, a, a a terrestrial program every Saturday and talk the stupidest. He don't take no calls from the people he represent. And he don't even mention, all he gets on there and talk about is Trump, Trump, Trump every week. Even now, Trump, who cares? What's going Who cares about all this stuff going on? Plenty of smoking gun. It ain't even no smoking gun. A gun pointed at the head of the black community. And he gets on there talking some old stupid crap every week. He's worthless. They need to blow his phone up. Maybe blow that. I ain't going to say that. They need to blow his phone up and write him letters about what he's not doing. Mm. He was on that agriculture committee. He can let the people know what's going on there. 
he was sitting around them other white bigots in his in both Democrat and Republican party. It don't even matter about some Democrat and Republican. Mm. These yeah. people are a disgrace. And, the, and, and the, the minute our people start to understand that, they can get these people out from representing them. If not, our children, your children's children, going to be dealing with the same fight. We want to keep passing that down, just like Minister Farrakhan says in that one of that piece that I play. We keep passing this down to generation after generation. We want to keep doing that. This don't make any sense. And, and Friday, Friday in Pennsylvania, I hate to have to say it this way, but it's, it just comes out this way, Elliot. The Nick, those Negro, those black, uh, black political entrepreneurs, they get together. This is the second one having developing a black agenda for Pennsylvania. Yeah. And you see some of them ones are supposed to be developing it. <laughs> you, know I mean? you read the names of some of those ones. You've got to be kidding me. They're part of the problem and they're developing a black agenda. I seen, I seen some of those names. I saw it. <laughs> The sooner we understand that we, and there's plenty of people on here that had developed independent black parties that's trying to start these things to vent candidates from among our community and have uh, planks and platforms that they must adhere to until we start developing this where we can politically control the, the uh, mechanisms in our own community. That's where it starts. It don't mm-hmm. start with no congressman and senators, president. We didn't, we didn't went down that road and we see the bull crap that we didn't got. And, and you know, Elliot, I have to say, say this because it seems like it get um, get lost. Because in order to to select the right candidates, um, we have to have the right political education, right? And it seems to me that um, we can do that. We don't have to be a part of no man. Getting three and four people to come in now, you don't even have to come in your house. You can you can do it on Zoom. You can uh, have a, a a phone conference call and just talk about the candidates in your area. As it relates to black folks and what policies are they have or have not been supporting that deals with the gentrification in our in our community, that deals with the police in our community, that deals with the housing in our community, that deals with poverty. I mean, three or four people, is it difficult for that? Because these people get elected every time. I know. Every cycle. I don't care how much money. I just heard the number. This last presidential election, over a billion dollars was spent. Over a billion dollars. Now, I know, I know, Elliot, and I'm I'm speaking, you know, I ain't got no facts and figures in front of me. But that billion dollars was to persuade the black community to vote for somebody that we see what we get. And the only reason why they they were we were persuaded is because we were watching, as you say, the television and listening to the, the these Negroes come up on this radio on these radio stations and giving you uh, a talk, you know, talking like like babies, blah 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 blah. blah. You you know they saying something, but you don't say a damn word they say. Yeah, you know what I mean. So why can't two and three get together? And let the political education begin by scrutinizing those individuals that's in that has an effect on our lives. That's political education. And then moving to identify who we see could and then go in and vote. And you and, and not even having to use, as you say, not even have to use the party. Because there's other parties out there. 
But if you don't have the political education, you don't have the political information, if we're not pursuing that, then other people are controlling our process. Exactly. Our, our political capital, as they say. And we can't just be sitting up here complaining about they taking the money out of my pocket. And you ain't even sewing your pocket up. Uh, boy, you know, um, and, and for our listening audience, I guess uh, tonight uh, he had uh, some prison calls uh, that he was taking from 7 to 8. He's going to join us in the 8 o'clock hour. So as soon as he uh, pops on there, we'll get him involved in the conversation. Until then, we're kicking around some issues. You can get involved in the conversation while he's here. Uh, I mean, wh- before he's here. And even if he comes on, if you want to jump back on and ask him some questions on what's going on, uh, you know, you can do that also. Uh, you can reach the program by dialing 215-490-9832. Richard, before we take a break, you mentioned about uh, uh, controlling the capital in the neighborhoods. Mm, political capital. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, let me draw a scenario for our people. And I'll use Philadelphia as an example. A city that's still predominantly black, that's one of the major cities in this country. And each of these council people controls a district. And the districts where they live, you know the poverty level in Philadelphia is off the hook. Mm -hmm. I think it's the highest in the country for a city over a million in population. And a lot of the areas are blighted. And it's kind of funny to me that when these areas become gentrified, like my old area where I grew up in Philadelphia. That was that had been black for centuries. Shoot, I think it was the record showed that around the early eighteen hundreds that those areas was black, Richard. Yeah, right. But now they're white, and that that transition only happened within the past maybe ten fifteen years. I'm, I'm telling you, I I, I mean I'm it's looking- rapid. I'm looking at it now, and they like, but, but but this is what I want to say, Richard. When you and me and you was in the neighborhood, we couldn't get nothing done. The rec centers looked like somebody threw a bomb in it. Uh, the athletic fields—you couldn't tell it was an athletic fields. It was just a field full of weeds. If you want to use the restroom in any of the athletic centers, you couldn't. The toilets was broke. wasn't no paper. Uh, the water didn't run. They were really looking bad. The neighborhoods look bad. But after you leave or they push you out, all of a sudden it's resources in these communities. H- how is that possible when a lot of the people that have moved in have a 10-year tax abatement? Mm-hmm. Now, let, I want to read to the listening audience how this is possible and how our people, if they have had an African-centered heart, they could change the dynamic of our people in these communities if they wanted to. Let me share with you this article, Richard. Come out the Washington Post in the listening audience. Listen carefully. It says black families pay significantly higher property taxes than white families. New analysis show. State by state, neighborhood by neighborhood, 
Black families pay 13% more property taxes each year than a white family would in the same situation. A massive new data analysis show. Now, now let that sink in, people. Let it sink in. Even in poor neighborhoods, we're paying 13% more property taxes. If that's the case, Richard, where is the money going? Where, where is it going? It's going to offset those whites who are not paying taxes. That, that's what I'm, but wait a minute. Richard, if you as a council person or elected official in those areas, you see where your, the money is going. If you don't, what the hell are you doing in that office? You see where the money is going. Either you're part of the solution or you're part of the problem. Now, let me continue with this article. Black homeowners, excuse me, black-owned homes are consistently assessed a higher values relative to their actual sale price than white homes, according to a new working paper by economist Troop Howard of the University of Indiana, uh, Indiana University, I'm sorry. African-Americans have long said that they bear a disproportionate burden for taxes that support local police, local schools, parks, etc. But nationwide measure of this systematic racism are hard to come by. To expose the structural historical factors behind these discriminatory property tax assessments, the economists analyzed more than a decade of tax assessments, sales data for more than 180 million homes throughout the country. In every state, property tax assessments were higher in areas with black population, uh, with black residents, I'm sorry. In city after city, the author shows that not just the differences in build, it's not just differences in buildings or land, but also the racial composition of the neighborhood that matters. The gap mm. between white families and minority households remains ten percent when you combine it. Uh, oh, no, wait a minute. Let me skip down. I'm sorry. This is it. This is not just real estate. It's housing. It's not just food. It's not just food desert. Oh, excuse me. Let, let me go back over that. I'm, I'm butchering that. This discrimination is across the board. It's not just real estate. It's not just housing. It's not just food deserts. It's not just racism on the streets. It's not just that you can't get a cab at night. It's everything, says Dorothy Brown of Emory University, a law professor who researches systematic racism in tax policy and was not involved in this study. She sees the same pervasive effect of the property tax system and how it operates to disadvantage black Americans, she says. That's how structural racism is. It's built into the system. It's built into the property tax system that discriminates against black Americans. During the Jim Crow era, local white officials routinely manipulated property tax assessments to overburden and punish black populations. And as a higher tax break to land owning white gentry, says the University 
of historian Andrew Carr, many county assessors intentionally overvalue black properties, sometimes in direct retaliation for black political involvement. Carl, whose research has long who has long researched the history of property tax discrimination against black Americans, has found white officials going to extreme lengths to hike black people's taxes. In the early 1900s, W.B. Du Bois showed that because of their unequal tax burden, black people paid more in taxes than they received in public education funds. Du Bois worked to counter the racist narrative of white people as makers and black people as takers. Hmm. Property tax gaps are worse for low earners, but even the highest earning black Americans pay more on average in property taxes than similar well-off white peers living nearby. Now here's the, here's the, uh, the, the foolishness written into the, the end of the article. It says, while the analysis is not designed to show active discrimination, it cannot be ruled out. But Howard said, uh, you can equally tell the story that assessors don't realize how unequal the burden is uh, and how it's uh, falling on racial and ethnic lines. Whether or not these gaps are caused by explicit racism, Brown says, you should know, uh, you should be just as outraged that this is going on and we should try to fix it. So what he's saying at the end of this article, Richard, is uh, that they don't realize that this explicit racism is going on. So that's, you know, again, that's white folks trying to protect their brethren. It's clear that it's still going on. And it's clear that it's written into these tax laws. And it's clear that if we develop some type of African-centered local political leadership, we can help aid our brothers and sisters in these cities. And I have to say, Elliot, and it's clear that these two examples that you started, you shared with us are two examples of how the theory of critical race as it relates to policy, which is instituted by and also incorporated in law has an effect on African-American people in this, in this society. The first one showed that even though the, even though the Congress allocated the re, the response about it being anti by the, and the court supporting that what, what was supported was okay. The, the political machinery and policy changed it because the law said that it was a discriminatory, that if you target African-Americans specifically, that it's discriminative. Yes, it's revert, reverse, reverse discrimination. Mm-hmm. And, and the second one policy, as a policy, shows that by creating a policy of giving benefit to Predict predominantly white, overwhelmingly white homeowners in a black poor community or a community that is poor by black folks by policy, legislative within the law, 
giving them tax advantages that even the tax advantages given to whites is a is a tax disadvantage to black homeowners. This is policy. If that's not the the critical race theory playing itself out, which isn't something that is unique to this moment, it's unique to the American experience that we can go. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, Rich. Just like we stated before, when uh, we addressed this issue, it's not critical race theory. This is critical race facts. Mm-hmm. And I played that clip by Condoleezza Rice when she said, oh, I don't agree with this because I don't want to make white children feel bad. You remember that, that foolishness right. I played Friday? Right. But we're not going to feel bad by being overtaxed and being run out of an environment that we are 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 have even in its worst case have been able to be sustained we're not going to we're not going to we're overtaxed in that environment under-resourced in that underserviced in that environment and then watching others get a benefit we don't we we don't feel, we shouldn't our children shouldn't feel bad about that our children shouldn't be informed about that our children shouldn't recognize that that's a part of a historical legacy in the design of the American nation state yeah, well. and how it has played out in even neighborhoods, um, cities, states, and within the national. I mean, this our children and black and white folks shouldn't be ashamed of that. Not only the wealth disparity, to where they could be able to to get that, but the political capital to even make it happen. That they shouldn't be ashamed of that, and this ain't a moral issue, but they sh- their children shouldn't at least be aware of that, so that their generation and the generation after them can be able to do something different if they can. They shouldn't. That don't make no sense. <laughs> Let's take a brief break. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Uh, hopefully, Reverend Pinkney will jump on here because he uh, told me they had those prison calls, but he was going to jump on and join us. So <clears throat> let's uh, we'll continue the conversation. You can get involved, too, in the conversation by dialing 215-490-9832. That's 215-490-9832. Time for an awakening. Oh, wait a minute. Hold up. Hmm. I ain't got the uh, commercial uh, queued up. Uh, but no problem. Um, Richard, before we leave, um, and before we uh, go to break, let me say something in reference to, uh, because it's going to be interesting when uh, Reverend Penny gets on, because it's other areas that's dealing with this similar situation about bad water in black communities. Uh, I was even surprised when I was reading some of these accounts. But we shouldn't be, disinformation should be readily available. to black, It should be on these black talk stations. 
It should be on the lips of all these uh, uh, quote unquote black uh, representatives. They should be holding town hall meetings discussing these things and discussing plans where we can move our people forward. We can't just languish in these problems because we know that this man got a pitfall for us at every turn. Even though he tells you you're an American, you're just like everybody else. That's a lie. And if our people believe that, then, you know, you got to educate yourself. These people that are supposed to be in leadership are supposed to be developing countermeasures to help our people move forward. Instead of helping our people assimilate into a slave culture because they have. Is that what you want for your children? If you got the mentality to be a slave, that's up to you. But is that what you want for your children? Let's take a brief break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. You can get involved too by dialing 215-490-9832. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back. For an awakening, time for an awakening with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at time for an awakening at gmail.com. All Insurance Incorporated, an African-American owned and operated insurance agency and business for over 20 years, located at 231 Southeastern Road in Glenside, PA, with other offices in Germantown and West Philadelphia. Call now for commercial insurance quotes, homeowners insurance quotes, automobile insurance quotes, notary and tax services, representing over 15 major A-rated insurance companies, offering a discount on all notary services when you call in for a free quote. Call this number, 21 21- 215-885-2444. That number is 215-885-2444. 215-885-2444. All Insurance Incorporated. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. Dooley Brothers, specializing in shingle, rubber roofs, gutters, downspouts, and vinyl sidings. Call for your free estimate today, 215-224-3882. That's 215-224-3882. Dooley Brothers Roofing, the roofing experts you can trust. That number again, 215-224-3882. 215-224-3882. Before your roof becomes unruly, call Dooley. RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter, serving Philadelphia and surrounding area. Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store are here for you. You are ready to be free of non-African social media. Don't run from danger. 
run to safety. Abibitumi.com is here for you. You are ready to be free of digital plantations to control your own products. Abibitumi.store is here for you. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. Black Power. A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I. The only word you need to know to join your global Kometsu Black family, to join your interconnected Kometsu Black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. Abibitumi.com, Abibitumi.tv, Abibitumi.tv.com, Abibitumi.store. We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation. I am an African. The death of my brother is also my death. Let me put this question to you again, because many foolish black middle classes and many foolish people who are eating well think that they can sit in America and watch this country destroy the African continents and watch this country destroy African Caribbeans and watch this country destroy Africans in Central and South America and think that these same people who destroy Africans abroad will not be the same people who will destroy them in America. There are fools in this, this country who try to claim that they are not Africans, who claim that they do not see color, as if they're not seeing color makes any difference in the world. Simply because you don't see color doesn't mean somebody does not see you as color. And that's the issue. And you think then that you can sit in this country while this same nation and these same people that you sleep with that marry and love and so forth can go out and destroy African people and not think those people do not see you as African. Even though you choose not to see yourself as African, you better think again. You're out of your minds and you're headed for death. You must understand that. Hide behind it. I am an American. Ladies and gentlemen, the death and destruction of black people will follow those kind of abstractions. Probably the next five or ten years will indicate whether or not the black man can survive. Our struggle for survival is a very real struggle. And the white man has prepared genocide for black people. Unemployment, the black man is no longer necessary. Unemployment is going to be a way of life for black people. We are going to face increasing dangers and problems as the days pass. And we're totally unequipped as black people to deal with them. We're a part of a slave culture. We have no preparation. We have no black institutions capable of dealing with white racist institutions designed to serve only white people. We must deal with the problem that confronts black people by building black institutions, by understanding that only a separate disposition is a viable position for black people. Any organization or any leader in America who today advocates integration is a foe and an enemy of black people and their survival in the coming years.
this crooked game of power politics here in America, the Negro, namely the race problem, integration, civil rights issues, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives, either to get into power or to retain power. Among whites here in America, the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal. And white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way. The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football. listening to Time for an Awakening, Time for an Awakening, with host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit them up at timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. It's 829 here in the city of Philadelphia on this Sunday edition of Time for an Awakening. Our guest this evening, activist, organizer, and director of the Black Autonomy Network of Community Organizations, Banco, Reverend Edward Pinckney, is with us in conversation to talk about what's going on with our people up there in Benton Harbor. Reverend Pinckney. I'm here. <laughs> I'm glad that you're back, sir. It's been a long time. I had talk with you in a while. Absolutely, yeah. You know, all all, all hell done broke out here, so that that that's just the way it is, man. We we got this uh, Muslim mayor uh, with the nations of Islam, and you know, those are my friends. You know, Minister Louis Farrakhan is, is my friend, but this guy right here, man, he's a butt kisser. Uh, he loves them white folks, boy. He can't he can't wait until he kiss their butt. That's what he do. He do it, and, and, and even at the expense of black people, you know. Man, unbelievable. Oh, wow. Reverend Pinkney, uh, before you get into that, the, the time that you had with us, because I know that you kind of worn out because uh, you deal with the, the prisoners there. For, uh, you told me that you had those conversations on Sunday evening. But yeah. uh, talk about what has happened up there. How did this situation, because I mean, we've seen what happened in Flint. And we know that Benton Harbor is a city that's overwhelming predominantly, but 90% or, or more that's black. Absolutely. How is Absolutely. this happening in Flint, in Flint? Excuse me, in Benton Harbor, in the neighboring city, the the, the, the quote unquote twin cities of St. Joseph, isn't going through this. Talk about yeah. what's going on there with the water and and the dynamic the, 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 the dynamic of what has happened. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, here's the thing that a lot of people don't know. Uh, 
negligence. You know, they they only do what white folks tell them to do. If white folks tell them to kill every black person here, they they don't do it, and they're trying to do it with the water. They knew the water was bad over three years ago, you know, and it's unfortunate that that's the, really the way it is. Black people got to start caring about black people. It's, you know, that's final. You you know, there there are a few few good white folks. They are, but you know, uh, you have an obligation to take care of your community. You got, that's a I mean, nothing is more important than that because it's the future of our children. Yes. That's our legacy. Yes. That next level, and that's where we fail. Right now, let me let me tell you this: um, water testing here, twenty-two parts per billion of lead in the water. That will kill you. Uh, the next time we had it tested, 24 parts per billion of lead in the water. And this last time, check this out, 33 parts per billion of lead in the water. But they went out and got some more samples to lower it down to 24. So that's criminal by itself, you see. So that's where we, we, we're at with this stuff. And, and, and they, don't, they don't want to talk about uh, uh, the lead in the water, even though it's killing people, uh, uh, you know, do you know what lead would do to the body? It attacks the liver. It attacks the kidney. It attacks the heart. It attacks your bone structure. It attacks the brain. It, and, and it just sits there. After 28 days, it gets into your flesh and your bones, and it hides there for years. And all they do is make you sick. And, and, and if you don't tell people about it, that's criminal. You know, and and this is where we at, like, like black people, Black people need to get themselves together. You know, you you need to change the way y'all think and everything. Well, they say, oh, it's not me, it's him. No, no, it's you too because you allow him to get away with it. So that's how bad it is here. It's so bad here that this young man, his dog died from the water, you know. And you, and you don't you don't never hear a dog can drink any kind of water. You know, he'd be all right. But he can't drink this lead water. That well, lead water would tear his butt up. And that's what happened to this young man. He had a great day. Seven months old, drunk this water and died, and you know, and it's, it's an ongoing thing here, you know. But you know, a lot of times, you know, we, you know, we we have self-inflicted wounds because we let you let people because you know them, you think it's all right, you know. And this is how black people think because they know something or know somebody is all right. It ain't all right. It ain't all right. And that's that's really just the way it is. We got to change the way we do business, and we got to do it right away. So this thing is, you know, like uh, the thing, nobody would have known the governor would never came in here if we didn't file that petition. We filed a petition with the EPA for a state of emergency. If we had not filed that petition, uh, the governor, and since this is an election, and the only re reason she coming in and doing something, this is an election year. You know, it wasn't an election year. I don't believe she would have came in here. But that petition was a bad boy. They, you know, when you put that petition on them, you know, the, the the federal government now gets involved and put that pressure on the state government and the state come, government coming in here and, and she's trying to do, I, 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 it looked like to me she's trying to get it right uh, uh, because she don't she know what's coming behind it. You know, we, we're talking about a class action lawsuit. That's what's following that petition. And they know that. And we're going to start bringing in lawyers to file civil uh, class action lawsuits right now. That's my goal is tomorrow to have a couple of lawyers on the phone, have them to, uh, to make the city whole again, make these people, you know, whatever it is, make sure that we do it, you know, because that's, that's, that's crucial. Reverend Pinkney, we, um, 
now I'm listening to some of the uh the um the popular and I'll use that term popular the, the uh, uh news programs that did talk about what's going on in Benton Harbor but they tried to spin it as an infrastructure problem alone I think it's more sinister than that and I want you to discuss it because when we first reached out to you, Reverend Finkney, when you were on Time for an Awakening, and this was when we was on terrestrial radio, this was a little over 10 years ago when you was in the fight then about this gentif- this rapid gentrification that was they were trying to get in there and do in the city of Benton Harbor. Uh, you went to prison twice based on that and spent time Absolutely. in jail. And I'm talking about some time. I ain't talking about no week. You spent time in prison behind this. So I think, and I want you to speak to this issue, I think this is more insidious. It goes to getting black people out of Benton Harbor more than just some infrastructure problem that they're trying to spin it, saying, well, Biden wants to correct it because this is the problem he's talking about. I think it's more sinister than that. Talk about it from your perspective, Reverend Pinkney. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that Benton Harbor is surrounded by water, you see, and one of the things that white folks like is water, and they love to be surrounded by water. So they built this Jack Nicholas signature golf course here. You know, uh, they took they put three holes, the sixth, seventh, and eighth hole, on the golf course, or maybe the seventh, eighth, and ninth, one or the other. And they they put it on the on the beach, and that that makes it uh, significant. Let's put it that way. So that's going to be converted over to St. Joe, Michigan. All that. And then what they're doing now, they're trying to figure out a way how they can push the blacks completely out of here. One thing, you know, a job, you know, there's a lot of jobs available now. But for black people around here, fast food service jobs, those are the jobs that's available. And once again, uh, that's almost like a self-inflicted wound because we don't do the things that need to be done to make sure. We we should be carpenters, uh, uh, plumbers, uh, pipe fitters, bricklayers electrician, carpenters, dude, these are some of the things that we should be building on. We don't, we out here smoking weed and, and, and standing on the corner. And, I, and I'm not criticizing my brother. That's their life that they want to do. But we got to start building for the, for, the, for the next generation. You see, that and that, that's here in Benton ben, ben, Harbor. This is what they're trying to kill now. Do you know that we have, we got five, five of those uh, uh, marijuana places here? And in, in, in the city is only four by four miles. Five. They got five. You know, I can see maybe one. But don't, don't you think five is a little bit too much? You know, uh, uh, so so that's the level of concentration that your elected officials have trying to, uh, 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 you know, put, put this stuff in place rather than trying to build uh, the community up, you know. And, 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 and just to look at it, it really hurts to be, you know, we're better than this. You know, we're better. But that what they have done, they're so busy trying to uh, satisfy that white man, they forget about the black man. You know, and, and that's how they, you know, they might be black. They, they think about what they can get out of this rather than what they can put into this. Mm. So that's what, what we got going on here. It's unfortunate, and if it takes killing every black person here to make it successful, you got black folks willing to do it. Richard, jump in. 
I, I, you know, I don't even know how to jump in. Um, but Re- Reverend Pinckney, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the, the political um, um, structure or, or when you say that they, and I'm, I'm thinking of the black folks that are in these places of, of authority. Can you, can you help us in ben, um, Benton Harbor explain who, like this mayor, who else could be sounding the alarm besides um, people like yourself in the community who is saying that this is, you know, an egregious act. Who else in the political or or other part of the um, infrastructure could be sounding the alarm but are not? Well, everybody could be, but they're not. You know, one, one thing about black people, they they don't want to jump out there. They'd rather, they'd rather see me jump out there and get my hair cut off and then uh, – uh, then they'll they'll make the statement. I, I you know I I knew that was going to happen. That's why I didn't get involved. You know, but that's that's the mentality that we're dealing with. We're dealing with people who has no no sense of urgency. You see, uh, uh, even now they they pass now bottled water. You know, all they're trying to do is get as many uh, cases of water that they can get. You see, and they'll go to every spot that's that's. Uh, uh, that 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 uh, that's giving away water. Every single spot they'll go to. But let me ask you this, the Reverend Pinker. I mean, um, to say say uh, Reverend uh, um, the the Mayor Muhammad doesn't doesn't he live in um, Benton Harbor? He, he most certainly do. Um, the, the, is there are there other council persons that are black? And I'm and I'm speaking just to these black elected officials. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's, it's you got eight council. Council people and one mayor, and, and they're all black, but they really and, don't. And they live in Benton Harbor also. Do they live? Yes, they live in Benton Harbor also. And they have no fear about this war. I mean, like this is not something that you can, you know, like the water can just like. Well, I'm going to get you, but I ain't going to get you. I'm going to get you, but I ain't going to get you. They- right, and you you absolutely correct. But that see, let me let me tell you the people here. This is this is their argument. I don't drink the water anyway, but I brush my teeth. I brush my teeth. I cook with it. You bathe in it. And I make baby formulas with it. So the the key word is drink. And they have sight. They can do all these things but drink it. They don't know no better. When you brush your teeth, whether you know it or not, you're drinking that water. Right. You know, so, you know, when when you're cooking with it, whether you know it or not, you you you're drinking that water because you're putting that lead on your meat and whatever you're doing, washing it off with. And then here, here's the kick about when you taking a bath, you bathe you bathing in leaded water, you know. And when you make that baby formula, you making uh 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 uh, uh you making that formula with leaded water. And here's the thing that you know people need to know, which I think I think is is so so important. We're gonna have more babies to die here. Than, than per capita, because we're a small community, uh, than, than, than just about any place else, maybe in the whole United States. But they don't, they don't see the connections unless we make that connection. If we don't make that as a black person, like, like I said, if I had not filed that petition, it would have been three to four more years of these folks drinking that water, bathing in that water. That got everybody moving. That got people saying stuff that they never said before, you know. Now, what it is, uh, they wanted me to uh, go to uh, the, the Republican Party uh, oversight, 
wanted me to testify on Thursday. You know, I, I was going to do it, you know, but I know that they know that if they say the right word, I'm going to give them something to ride on, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm going to tell the truth. I ain't going to sugarcoat it for her, I, uh, for the governor. I ain't going to do none of those things. And, I, and, and in order to protect myself more than anything else on this case, I said, well, I'm just not going to do it. And they called me 15 times trying to get me to come testify. Now, wait so a they minute. Know me. Have they, they ever they, have they ever called you about anything before? Never. <laughs> <laughs> never, never. But, but, but here's how they almost got me. They said, what do your community uh, uh, need right now? You know, we'll, you know, we got it. And then we'll even come pick you up at your house uh, 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 two hours away and bring me to Lansing so I can testify. I ain't never heard that one before. That, that, that's about as good as gold. And that's what, see, if they probably hadn't said that, I probably would have probably went myself, you know. But when they said that, it, it definitely got my attention. You know, I said, hmm, they really want me. I said, hmm, this could be interesting, you know. So, but I, they know if they ask me the right questions, and and I know the answer to the right question. See, that's the difference. They know that. They know I know all the answers. And uh, and I and, they, and and this is election year for the governor too. I would have rocked her world. Her world would have been scattered, you know, because I wouldn't go. I wouldn't hold her up. If you if you if you ask me a question that that requires a truthful answer, I'm and uh, uh, I'm I'm gonna give it to you. I'm, I'm gonna give it to you like you never had it before, you know. And they know that. They, they, you know, they know my history. They know what I do, you know. And and I don't care nothing about no elected official. I tell you just like because I look at them as a bunch of thieves anyway. I have to ask this: Is is it based off of this and in, in water and 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 the way things are going? And 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 I apologize. I'm focusing on the the political, the civic aspect of us because it mm-hmm. seems, as you said, we're not civically working in our own best interest. Is this the lead in the water for the people of um, Benton Harbor? Are they more politically motivated to do something um, other than what what has got those eight council persons and the mayor in in order to... Well, here's the thing. There's a recall in for the mayor that's going to be heard on November the 1st. So that would get the ball rolling, you know, and uh, he deserved it. And I, I, uh, I know that you spearheaded this, didn't you, Reverend Pinkney? Oh, you, well, you know I'm, I'm part of that. So, okay. You know, so, you know, I helped them with the language. So make sure that they understand where we're going and what we need to do. But the point is, here's the thing. See, when when, uh, when this guy, uh, Minister Louis Farrakhan, was at my house when um, when he asked this guy to run for mayor. I remember he you asked, said, listen, I remember when you said that on our program that the minister sat in your living room. Yeah. And yeah. told that brother, don't disappoint. Work with Reverend Pinckney. Don't right. disappoint and, and the people there. He asked, first he asked me, would I help him get in? I said, yeah. And then he asked him, will you do the right thing by the people? He asked him three times. And each time it turned out to be the biggest lie you ever hear. He loved, this guy loved white folks. He told me one time that he could be the mayor of, of St. Joe, an all-white city. With his lying, but you know he's a natural liar for saying a lie like that. He he wouldn't even get three votes. Only his family would vote for him. <laughs> so that that's really the way it is. But that's where where is that, and that that's where we where we at today. This guy, I'm surprised the minister haven't pulled him in. I know he got to know. He he got to know that this guy ain't nowhere. 
You know, he, he he's an embarrassment for the nation of Islam. He really is. I mean, it's really just that bad. He's a. You should see him on. on he'll he'll come on TV and 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 at first he he would deny that the water was uh, uh, unsafe to drink. He wouldn't he wouldn't even say that. But he found out it wasn't popular. So then he started saying it was it was uh, 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 unsafe. You know. But he, he he thought that he was he was really saying something. Well, the water. He even said the water was drinkable and all. Yeah, well, you drink it. You and your family drink it. That's who drink it. Didn't come back and tell me about it, you know. So that's that's really what it's all about. And then, like I said, we got we got eight com- uh, uh, commissioners and one mayor, and uh, the majority of them, you know, if if something come up, they'll vote the right way because he didn't want them to vote for a state of emergency, which is nothing but a resolution. It doesn't really, you know, but it it tells the the nation. That we have a major problem. You said the mayor didn't want it's, them to vote for the state of emergency. Uh, you said the mayor didn't want them to vote on the state of emergency. No, and, and then, but here, here's what he thought. He, was, I guess, he read somewhere in the charter that if it's a state of American, I can take over and be paid a, 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 a salary, a big salary. You know, that's what he was looking at. Then when he found out when the when the attorney told him it wasn't true, you just look at the look on his face. He thought that. He thought that he had pulled the wool over everybody, you see. But that's his character, you see. His number one character that he's a liar. He's a born liar. And that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. You know, just just listen to him lie, just just lying to be lying. And everything that is goes on here in Ben Harbor is controlled by Whirlpool Corporation. They control everything. They control him. Mm-hmm. You see. And this you know, uh I you know the minister Farrakhan he's old now older now you know he's eighty five eighty six years old you know he, he you know to me it would be I'd be it just be a dishonor for for someone to just dishonor him the way this guy do you know no respect for him I'm I'm surprised the Muslim brothers haven't pulled him in and pulled his coat uh, that's another thing mm-hmm. what he like to do he like to take a selfie with the governor. And the lieutenant governor, though, that's his that's his thing. Uh, I was I was invited to the uh, to the Capitol to sit with the governor. That's that's you know, and and if she ain't got no checkbook with her, ain't a reason in the world why I want to meet with her. It's not a me reading in the world. If you ain't talk about money for my community, I don't have nothing to say to you. And that's the attitude that he has. But he he don't have that wisdom, you know. That's what he really lacked. He he. He calls himself being 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 clever, you know, uh, uh, saying things that that uh, uh, the the governor might like to hear. That's the type of person he is. Let me get he, a, he's a he's a total embarrassment, you know, to to our community, you know. Let me get to uh, see if a couple calls want to have something to say. To you, uh, Reverend Pinkney. let's go to four four in Atlanta. Four four. Four four. Four yeah, Reverend Pinkney, man. Stay strong, t- t- man. Turn your stay volume down. Strong, turn your volume. You know what? You know what? Got to stay strong. We got to make it happen. Got to do it. Sorry, man. You, you real soldier, man. I saw you on uh, what they did something on they did on the news. I think on ABC, man, when they did the interview with you. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I, I don't hold them up. Yes, sir, man. And uh, Elliot, I want to uh, talk about uh, something else a little later on if you can bring me back, though. Okay. Be possible. I'll, I'll put you on hold. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. 
Let's go to 215. Take care now. 215. Yeah, hey, hey, brother Elliot. How you doing, Elliot? How are you, sir? I'm doing, hey, brother Mitchell. Have you ever picked me? How you doing, my good brother and friend? Hey, I'm doing good, man. I'm just rocking and rolling and rolling and rocking, trying to make it happen. Yes, sir. Remember, pick the brother Ellen Rich in the time for you. Listen, 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 this, man. I'm a, a, a member of the nation of Islam, and I couldn't agree with you more, brother. Pick the, that brother in, in Michigan, Marcus, is a disgrace, man. You know, and see, and see, and, and, and you get a nation and the minister a bad name by being a Negro. See, hiding yeah. behind the fact that he in the Muslim name and he's a Muslim minister, but he's a disgrace. He might as well just go in and just be out and out Negro because what he's doing is, is definitely counter to the nation of Islam's teachings. And, and you know, Reverend Pickney, I've said right here in Philadelphia when Trump was in office, I've seen Negroes. Now these, now these brothers weren't in the nation of Islam, but they, but they called themselves it was Muslim. They called themselves black Muslims for Trump. There was more or less orthodox Sony Muslims, and it was down in downtown Philadelphia with signs saying black Muslims for Trump. I'm saying, how the hell will you want to vote for a devil like Trump when this man ain't trash you, trash your religion, trash your people, you supporting a, ba- a, ba- a bigot like that? You know what I mean? It's always yeah. amazing. So, so that's why when this nigga can sit up there coming from, he, he want to take a, he happy to take a selfie with the governor or whatever. I mean, it, it, I, remember, I don't even have words to describe was you know with that Negro man, he's a disgrace, and and, and like you said, some brothers out, out there in Michigan need to step to him, and 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 I know the minister getting up in age, he should have to be fighting this battle by itself. Some of, some of the other younger brothers and the surrounding minister, they should pull that Negro in his coattail and say, man, you either you ship up or ship the hell out. They they need to step to him. It shouldn't be all just on minister to do it. He got younger right. people around him, and they should they should step to that Negro. You know, come on, man. I agree. You know? I agree. I agree with you one hundred percent. I, I'm shocked. I, I, I would bet years ago, if he, this guy had pulled this stunt, that, you know, he, he, he probably would end up in the back alley somewhere. I agree. Know? I agree. Yeah. I, so, you know, but it, you know it's, 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 this, this guy, you know, to, to me, he's like a con man. He, you know, mm-hmm. he, he con me. I'm going to be honest yeah, with you. I understand. Yeah, he, he tricked me into thinking that he was all right. But, you know, one of, one of my followers told me, he said, she said, he is no good. I'm telling mm-hmm. you this. And I said, well, I'm going to give him a chance because of the minister. Mm-hmm. Man, he could, as soon as we got him in the, as mayor, that, that, that he, he went all out and left field on us. Talking about now, he's, he's, I'm the mayor for all the people. All the, you know, I, 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 I guess he was telling when he said all the, we, he was saying white people, you know. Of course. That's nice point. When Negroes say that, they mean white people. And, and, yeah. and as you know, brother, we're the only ones that have to say that. You never heard these white, bigot men or women when they're in office say they for, for, for all the people. They think for their own white Caucasian people. But they're always the Negroes, whether it's Obama or the rest of them, they always got to say they they date the a mayor or the president or the governor for everybody, you know. Right. Everybody, okay. didn't, every, everybody didn't vote for them, but black people for the most part. But they got to say it for everybody, you know. And, 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 you know, Brother Pickney, when I look here in Philadelphia, right, and I and I see how some of these Negroes, their mindset is when it, when, when, when it comes to their own people, the disdain that they show and, and everything. And, and like I said, a lot of them like to hide behind the fact that they call themselves Muslims or and they said, see, I didn't got to the point where I'm me. I don't, they don't even say it's been on you because you say you're in the nation of Muslim. If you ain't doing right by my people, I don't care what you say you are. You can, That's like, right. That, right. But right here in Philadelphia, right, I told this story. I want to hold you up, brother Pickney. I told Elliot the story but it with his brother. He was in the nation. He was a long time member of the nation of Islam. And I'm sure the mindset he got that. And I bet you Marcus Muhammad got that same mindset. This nigga was in the nation. Matter of fact, the brother was so 
He looks. He looks. He must like he's splitting them into Dr. Khaled. He's like the late rate Dr. Khaled. Well, I, I went to a, to a seminar that this, that they had here in Slumpsford back about 12, seven, eight years ago, and this nigga got up there now, and he, and he converted from Islam to Christianity. And that's no problem. No problem. Whatever faith you practice, whether it's Christianity, Islam, Judaism, whatever you happy with that, and I had no issue with that. But what got me about the nigga, his mindset. He got up there, denounced the nation of Islam. He denounced the honorable Elijah Muhammad nation, and he says that. He he said I didn't like white people. He said, but well, my heart. He said when I worked at my job, one of my white coworkers helped me buy a Cadillac and stuff. And I like said, so you're gonna sell your whole birth right up because a white some white coworker helped you get a Cadillac. And I'm saying to myself, a Cadillac. I said, brother, that that's a materialistic thing. So he helped you get a Cadillac. So you're gonna so you're gonna trash all black. You're gonna trash the nation and, and, and say that all white people are good because this one white boy did an individual favor for you. And I bet you that's the same mindset, brother, that, that Marcus Muhammad got. Because he want to, you know, get in there with white folks, and all of a sudden he want to play the game. Like, well, you know, I'm for everybody. I mean, it's just a sad commentary when you got black people with that kind of mindset. And I'm saying, and I'm saying to myself, white folks individually did things for me, but I'm not. But I ain't gonna never see them get me, have me call this radio station and say, man, you know, all white folks is good, boy. You know, racism is dead and stuff. Like mm-hmm. When them devils, when them devils kicking out people up the behind and doing all stuff, shooting out people down the street, they doing stuff every day to our people. And I'm, and I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be happy because some white man or white woman do. Something for me individually. I mean, I, I mean that kind of mindset is sickening, Reverend Pickney. I'm telling oh, you, man. man. You know, oh, yeah, and I, I bet you, Marcus Muhammad, suffer from that same mindset, man. Yeah, you know. You said it. You said you know? it. Ain't gonna hold you, Reverend Pickney. I know other cars want to get on, but Reverend I, I, like like Brother West said, you're a soldier, Reverend Pickney. Keep doing what you're doing, but keep fighting the fight. And like I said, I'm here for the dust. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna send a letter to the minister asking him to look at this nigga. Oh, please, Marcus you know what? I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna write took, a letter to the minister. I'm glad you said that. I wish everybody who's listening write a letter to the minister about this guy. You know, tell them who this guy is. Identify himself as Marcus Muhammad. Get his butt. I am. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna pen a letter to the minister. I'm. 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 I'm gonna sit down, and when I get home from work, from seeing my client yeah, tomorrow, Reverend Pickney, I'm gonna start this letter. I'm. I'm. I'm gonna write a nice, heartfelt, thanksful letter to the minister, asking this Negro so y'all can take and check this Negro, and if it means he be removed from the nation or whatever, so be it. Whatever it takes for this Negro to get to get in line, because he's a disgrace, man. He, yeah. I mean, he's. A, he's. A, he's an embarrassment to the nation of Islam, and I have no problem standing. He's an embarrassment to the nation of Islam. You know. Right, and, t- and take that name back from. Let him be I agree. a Marcus Singer. He is. <laughs> exactly. That's what his name should be. He should, he should be no Marcus Muhammad. Marcus right. nothing. Marcus, his name should be Marcus Singer. That's what he should Mar- be. Marcus Singer. That's his slave, his slave name. His birth, yeah, right. whatever. That's, right. You know, hey, thanks. thanks, Reverend Pickney. Thanks, thanks, Reverend. Thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate the You're conversation. Welcome. You're welcome, my brother. Uh, if you don't mind, I have to ask this question. Or I don't have to, but if, 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 do we have enough time, Elliot? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Because I'm, I'm thinking about the EPA. Have, have they, I'm really, the, yeah, the EPA um, and the Department of Interior, it seems like those two um, federal departments have something to do with, um, you know, the whole thing of water. Um, I may be wrong. Um, yeah, the e, well, actually, it's the, it's the EPA, the uh, Environmental Protection Agency. That's who we uh, uh, filed the petition with. And they the one put the pressure on the governor. Uh, what, what she get? What she, here's what happened with her. Uh, we, we we're getting ready to file the petition on the ninth. Uh, she gets a heads up from someone and said that she's going to give Benton Harbor twenty million dollars uh, mm. on the eighth. So you know that someone gave her a heads up that we were filing on the ninth. 
Uh, I, I really don't have a problem with someone giving her a heads up. But my point is, don't make it look like you're doing this because from the goodness of your heart. You know, just go on and tell the truth. I, I'm doing it because Reverend Pinckney filed that petition, and I, and I got to do something because the election coming up. That's all you got to say. Just tell the truth. You know, it's so simple to me. And then that way, people will respect her more than trying to lie around here and tell me she uh, uh, she been thinking about Ben Arbor and I decided on the eighth eighth uh, of September I was going to do. Yeah, right. Like you know, like we all stupid. Well, now, now and, and that means, am I looking at this right? Malcolm, uh, Michael S. Reagan is the administrator. Right. He's the administrator of the EPA. Yes, he is. He's, 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 a, he's a top dog. And he's a black man. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing that's get, get me, Elliot, is that, I mean, this has been going on a while um, in relationship to uh, um, Benton Harbor, but just only because everybody's reacting to your initiation, Reverend Prinkley. It ain't, you know, even though this has been going on before that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You said the magic word. They only react because on pressure. Long before this. And we've been, you know, we were patient with them. You know, we should have did this a couple of years ago, to be honest with you. But we we really didn't have the wisdom uh, nor the knowledge of the power of the petition until this year. You hear that, Richard? Yeah. Yeah. The the pressure. Wait a minute, Richard. The pressure that one man can put on these people. Just imagine if you had 20, 30 people in all of these cities put pressure on these quote-unquote elected officials. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and you see, the, see, this is a black eye for the governor. You know, this is a black eye for her and the EPA. You know, they, you know, right now they're scrambling. They're, 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 they're so busy now trying to find something wrong with me rather than trying to fix the problem in the city of Benton Harbor, you know. And they, they're liable to do anything, you know. They might even they, they might do anything, you know. I, w- I would not put nothing past them, you know. They're capable of doing anything. When I say anything, I mean exactly that. They That's what they are, you know. They, you know, they have a, the, the CIA inside the CIA, you know, government inside the government, you know. This is how they operate, you know. But look, the most important thing, that the community become whole. So that's where we at, you know. And we definitely filing a class action lawsuit. We're going to be bringing in people from all over and make sure that, you know, these folks ain't never had nothing in their life. Let's get them something, you know. Let's get them something, and we can take it from there, you know. So that's how I feel, you know. And it ain't going to be about me. Matter of fact, I actually really don't live in Benton. I live in Benton Township, you see. But I'm doing it for these people that live inside Benton House because I know they don't have the wisdom nor the knowledge to understand what's going on. They don't have that, you know. And they've been, what they have done, they have undereducated these people for all these years, you know. And they basically have the inability to actually think on this level. The level that I'm thinking of, they may never be on here, you know, because they, they have no real life training. They, uh, the only thing they want to do is, like, they got five marijuana places here. What do they call them places? Uh, yeah, dispensary. Dispensary. Mm-hmm. Five of them. Five, and look, this is a shame. They got three on the same street, you know, 
And I, this and, don't make no sense. One right around the corner, the other on the other corner, five of them. And, and Reverend, and I'm, I'm and Reverend Pickney, sure. I'm looking now, at... I don't mind them having one, but five? And I'm looking at the demographics here, and it says that the poverty rate in Benton, Benton Harbor is 45%. Oh, oh it's, no, no, it's better than that. We, with the poverty, uh, is probably about 70%. 70% of the people living in Benton Harbor live below the poverty level. And how, how does black... It, they, they may have it at 45, but uh, uh, in reality, it got to be at least uh, uh, 65 to 70%. And see, this is what I was talking about, Richard. you got mm-hmm. a black mayor and a black council in Benton Harbor, and they allow all these t- stuff to go on and take control of the economy in black neighborhoods and black people standing on around street corners smoking weed and drinking 40s. Yeah, yeah. And then the, the, the sad part, they think it's all right. And, and you know, the basketball, let me tell you the story. Wilson Chandler, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a pro basketball player. Uh, he, he brought in, he brought Rick Ross in here. I made a statement that, you know, Rather than bring him in here, why don't we open up a supermarket and some gas stations and and closing stores so we can keep the dollar circulating inside the community? All these folks went nuts. But wait a minute. You brought him in there to do what? uh, uh, So he can get paid and take that money out of here when he leaves. He came in here with five naked women, and they they danced on the stage uh, outside, and, and after he finished his concert... Uh, every other word was a, was a was a was a mother or so you know is and, and uh, they they even had preachers down there uh, 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 watching the show and watching the naked women you know and stuff like that and and to me that's that's see my way of thinking is that always build for the future. Rick Ross ain't got nothing to do with nobody's future here, mm. you know. And they thought it was the greatest thing that ever happened. Oh man, these folks was going nuts. Man, they was gone. Oh, man, uh, Wilson Chandler brings in uh, Rick Ross, you know. And Ch- Chandler's with that garbage. Chandler's from Benton Harbor. Yeah, he's from Benton Harbor. Okay. Yeah, he is. He is. He's from Benton Harbor. But uh, like I told him, you know, we got to think better than that. Uh, we got. We got to think about. Uh, circulating dollars inside our community, you see. And that's one of the pitfalls that we have fallen into. We let the Arabs come in, and what they do, they, they, they you go there and spend all your money at the Arabs, so he take his money out, out, out of your community, and even out of the country as necessary. So we we got issues, man. You know, we, we have that inability to think logically about the future, the next generation. And I think that's where we're failing right there, you know. And here in Ben Harbor, a lot, a lot of time when these people be talking, that's that lead talking. That ain't them. Okay. And, you know, let let you know let let me talk to Joseph. I don't want to talk to the, the Joe Lead because that's that, that's that's who talking now. That lead that ate up their brain, you know. But it's, it's it's you know the point is we have to come together and make things happen. Mm-hmm. And those of you who are out there. They need to write Minister Farrakhan a letter. They need to write a letter to him and explain to him what's going on. And this this gives the uh, 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 the Nation of Islam a, a, a black eye, a real black eye. This guy, you should see him. Oh, oh, oh! He can't wait to be around that Governor Whitmer and 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 the Lieutenant. Anything that got to do with uh, uh, elected officials, he's kissing all of them, even the Republican. Uh, uh, Fred Upton, a known racist, been a racist all his life. 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's terrible, man. It's, 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 it's you know, it's unfortunate for us. We have to live through this time. He really think white people like him. He about as nutty as they come. He could be, he could be uh, uh, the mayor of St. Joe or all white. Them people don't like him. They don't even want to look at him. Mm. Unbelievable. Reverend Pinkney, I know you had a long day, uh, you know, dealing with, listen, the door is always open to you, and I don't want you to be so long coming on the program. Appreciate, you know. But keep us abreast on what's going on. I know the petition there to get him recalled. I encourage your your listeners, the the, the right minister of Farrakhan, a letter. That's what what you can do for me. Encourage them to write him a letter, man, because this guy is an embarrassment to, to the nation, a real embarrassment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, then. Listen, I'll be looking forward. To, I'll, I'll be back soon. Good. I and get I, this and, energy back going. And I want to be in touch with you to find out what's happening with the petition and all to have him recall. Okay. We'll be in touch. Uh, the the word going to be Monday. They're going to have a hearing on it, and we'll see what happens. Good. We'll be in touch. All right, my brother. Thank, Thank you, you for all the work. Bye now. Richard. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, listen, that man's word speaks for itself. Mm -hmm. He's out there fighting, and the people that's supposed to be helping, the the, 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 uh, council people there and the mayor, you see what he's saying. This is not isolated cases when we get on here and complain about what's going on. This is a national problem. Hookworms, you know, lead, um, poverty off the chain. You know, the prison, um, uh, it's just, uh, you know, uh, Elliot, my political heart, you know, because, you know, I, I believe we are never going to heal until we start to, to operate like a nation, real, for real. Not a organization, but like a nation. But we're not going to operate like a nation until we get some heart. And we're not. I mean, it's beyond political capital. We have we have a serious challenge to deal with. That politics are not going to rescue us. I mean, the articles you just read, Reverend Pinkley, you know, bringing this up, all the, the you know the, the 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 discussion we. Had, I mean, um, um, Professor House said last week, if we don't do this, the the, the desperation. This is like no. This is a people that we're looking at. This is beyond slavery. At least people knew they were enslaved and being bought and sold. This is beyond because we can't see the chains. <laughs> he said that they bring it. They bringing in a basketball player and a rapper and some naked women and nobody working, and they got five weed places. In a place, it, it just in in a, wait a minute in a city where you're supposed to be controlling the economy of the area, and you got people doing that, and then on the other side of the spectrum, you got people that they had on a national program like this Kundalisa Rice talking about, oh, I don't want to talk about critical race theory. You make white people feel bad. We got to do something about these people. We just can't sit and complain. Cynthia McKinney said in that the, the vignette that I play, when she used the, the uh, analogy of, of roots and, and uh, Kunta Kinte being beat, 
and dozens of black people just standing watching. You remember, Richard? And, and we had in Philadelphia, we have a real live experience that people are talking about. I don't know how people are responding to it. I can't even look at it. I don't. I don't even explain, chase it. Where you can have a woman get raped on the on the subway and everybody standing around and watching. Is this the is this the state that we're in? When all the energy that was put in for us to get a vaccine. Yeah, but they'll they'll listen to Europeans just to berating them about getting vaccines, and then they send their lackey black lackeys out there telling black people to get the vaccine. They'll listen to they'll listen to Fauci and others. Then you got to be kidding me. Uh, uh, Albert Clegg was right in that vignette vignette I just played. We in what did he say? We're in a slave culture, and some of our people still operate in a slave culture. Richard, let me let me. In a few minutes we have left, let me share this because it goes directly to what Reverend Pickney was talking about, about Benton Harbor. These come from published reports. And uh, what's the date on one of these? It, it, uh, listen, I'm going to read it. Water crisis in Dallas County, town of Sandbridge. Now, listen to this, Richard. The town of Sandbridge. Uh, wait a minute. Sandbridge is an unincorporated town in Dallas County. Has never had running water. Residents use wells. Uh, but in the eighteen, the 1980s, that water got contaminated. The county blames the town's livestock uh, and the, uh, the nearby wastewater treatment facility that had just been built when the contamination was discovered. Sandbridge was founded by ex-slaves in 1878 and became a vibrant black community. But today it is poor. All the residents live below the federal poverty line. Dallas is the wealthiest, uh, one of the wealthiest cities in the country, uh, causing residents to wonder why the county can't help pay for the running water in this town. Now, Sandbridge the court, no, I'm going to read a little further. It's a sweltering day in October, and Pastor Eugene Keeney is becoming agitated. His flock, his flock lives in a Dallas town called Sandbridge that hasn't had running water in 30 years, and the donated bottled water they rely upon is in short supply. We've got six cases of water from a donor, but two have already gone in the last four hours, says Keeney, eyeing the line of people waiting for their weekly handout of food and water from the Mount Zion Baptist Church in Sandbridge, an African-American church community that lies 20 minutes and a world away from Dallas. Sandbridge has no pipes, uh, sewage, trash collection, or streetlights. In an added dash of irony, the sprawling Dallas Southside water treatment plant is situated about 10 yards from Sandbridge. Its rusting barbed wire fences run along the northern boundary of the town. Everybody, uh, everybody around us has water, but not here, says Diedrich Newhouse a 46-year-old who grew up in Sandbridge and her grandparents. 
but the fact that the low-income minority area in the U.S. Uh, are often blighted by environmental problems, whether it's tainted water or toxic air from nearby industrial plants, it is well understood here that Sandbridge is a jarring example of environmental justice. We don't have water here, and you know why, asked Ivory Hall, a 83-year-old black man who slaps his arms as he makes his point. The pigment of my skin. If I were white like you, I'd bet there'd be water down here. The Southside Water Treatment Plant in Dallas borders Sandridge, but the residents derive no benefit from it. Water pipes have never been installed. And like other incorporated places, the lack of trash collection means residents have to uh, burn garbage or take it to a, a neighboring city. Whatever the cause, the pollution forces residents to trek several miles to buy water and fill jugs at relatives' houses. The poverty has a tightened grip on Sandridge. The average monthly income is $720, but most people can't afford uh, to buy the endless supply of bottled water. Mount Zion Church is a modest but tidy place for worship and uh, has a 325-gallon tank outside the church uh, to supply donated water to the community and food stuff and other things uh, at free blood pressure checks and other things to the community. Yeah, Richard, what are we living back in the turn of the century? This town is outside of Dallas. It's outside of Dallas. And you got now, it's a, you see something here. This is an unincorporated town, it says. Now, I don't know what that means. I'd have to look it up. Unincorporated town in Dallas County. It was founded by our ex-ancestors, it says ex-slaves, in 1878. It was at one time a vibrant black community, but it's not anymore. And it still exists, and people still live there. All of the people that live there is under the poverty level and don't have running water. And the water that they had in wells was contaminated. You got black elected officials in Dallas. I've never heard of this. Have you? No. 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 So when you see this stuff happening in Benton Harbor, this stuff is happening among our people in these different cities. They might, might, they might be small cities, but our people live there. The point is our people are living there. And some of them can't afford to get out of there. Here's another one, Richard, before we wind up. Camp, uh, Camp T, Louisiana. Deep in the winding mass of crumbling back streets in Camp T, Leroy Hayes sets a glass of water from his faucet in a patch of sunlight on his railing on the porch and watches specks of sediment float to the top. Hayes, said the town's water system has been bad for years with water coming out brown and smelling like bleach. The family use bottled water for drinking and cooking and often have to drive to the city of Natchez to get water. That's 11 miles away or to wash their clothes. Campti's water leaves their clothes with a yellow tint. Nobody drinks. Nobody drinks this mess, says Hayes. Like many poor African-American communities, K 
camp tease poverty is a significant impediment uh, to making crucial improvements to the town's infrastructure, including the water system. Hayes is a lifelong, hold on a second, I'm sorry. Uh, it says Hayes is a lifelong resident of the town, where according to the U.S. Census Bureau, more than half of the African-American population there lives in poverty. Campty's median household income is only $15,000. Skepticism about the drinking water is pervasive in the black community. Most recently in urban air, uh, in, in urban cities like Milwaukee, where high childhood lead poison, poisoning rates plague the cities of Flint and other cities in Michigan, where lead pipes uh, leached into the city's water. But it also affects pockets of poverty in such states as Louisiana, Alabama, North Carolina, and Texas. Everything that happens now where people uh, uh, don't want it, it goes into the poor and black neighborhoods, says Esther Calhoun, president of the Black Belt Citizens Fighting for Health and Justice. In Uniontown, Alabama, black residents blame the smell of the swell of gastrointestinal complications on the waste from a nearby catfish farm that they says has polluted their water supply. In parts of North Carolina, impoverished African-Americans sometimes rely on contaminated wells for drinking water. Though the public water system runs just a few feet from their homes. Campy's water system Campty, Louisiana's water system has had seven health-based violations. Six of those came in the 1990s where tests showed the presence of coliform bacteria, a sign that feces or sewage could be contaminating the water. The town of Tallulah, 150 miles from Campty, has had 11 health violations dating back to 1991. In 2015, Coliform was found in their system, which indicated feces. Much of Tallulah was born from the 104, uh, wait a minute, 1,440 Scotland acre plantation, where the old mansion still stands, the only remnant of the former village of Richmond, which was destroyed by Ulysses S. Grant in the siege of Vicksburg, Mississippi. Today, Tallulah's median household income is $23,000, about half that of the state's average. Over 40% of the population, 70%, which is black, live in poverty. Uh, I see some common threads here, Richard. Oh, yeah. These cities here, uh, human waste in their water, black cities, all of these states here got black people in leadership. I haven't heard, beside Flint when it made the news, and beside Benton Harbor that is that trickling into the news now, you didn't hear anything about these other areas. Some of these people have been living with water and poor conditions for 20 and 30 years. This is beyond disgraceful. This is what we're talking about. And just like Reverend Pinckney said, we got to do this for our children. I'm quite sure he didn't hear me say it. This is based on this man's work. He said we should be concerned about our children. 
Just like Minister Furcon says in that clip, we can't keep passing this down to generation after generation. Hey, this is this is an extermination. I, I mean, I, I don't. People may say I might be um, what's that word? I might be exaggerating, but this is a slow walking extermination program. I mean, how else can you look at it? I mean, it's not just something that's just affecting the people who are drinking it now. Any young person, any person who can have a baby now, that's going to affect that baby too. And some of our people in some of these cities wonder what the hell is the matter with some of our brethren that can't seem to get right. It's problems, Richard. And until we embrace it, embrace each other. And see, the scary thing is, Elliot, when it get down to if everybody, the federal at every level, the state at every level, the city at every level, the counties and townships, if all of them are shown by policy, by law, that they're doing things against to hurt you, and you find out because you didn't hear it, and then we're shocked. We only got one conclusion to come to. And for me, and you hear me not saying what that conclusion is, because we got to come to that conclusion on our own. On our own, exactly. Exactly. Because the one we've been striving for seemed like maybe over the past 30 years since we didn't had these black elected, no, 50 years since we didn't had a proliferation of black elected officials, that strategy ain't working. It may be working for those work. individuals, but it ain't working for the masses of our people. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yo, no, that's, I mean, I, that's, you, you took, that's the thought, I, that's the thought I'm on. And I'm hoping for the time for awakening audience. And as they communicate this to the members that they said, like, as you heard Reverend Pink, like, please support. You know, I mean, if there's any people who are part, as as Brother Joe said, any people are part of the nation, you know, uh, th- th- please support and do that action. And and looking at our areas, please support and become politically informed and make the decision. Do we not? Do we do get into the Democrat and and, and Republican um, talking points in the people? Do we decide what is best for us? And then we ain't got to tell each other what we need to do. We'll be doing that with each other. Richard, if uh, if that's it, we're going to wind things down, man. Sir. Before we leave tonight, give the lineup on time for an awakening media Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, African Perspectives with Brother Oshi. That's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Later on Monday evenings from 8 to 9, Black Therapy Central with hosts Dr. Maria Kamban and Dr. Kamal Kamban. And later on Monday evenings from 9 to 10, Conversation Reparations. It's a cool program. program. That's the first and third Mondays of every month. On Tuesday from 8 to 10 p.m., Black Reality Think Tank with Dr. William Rogers. On Wednesday is our time. The Black Farmers Program, that's West Georgia Cooperative. Oh, they've been on a little hiatus, but they should be back. And they, uh, shoot, October's almost over sometime in November. 
So keep that in mind. Just put that on your calendar. Later on, uh, after the program, from 8 to 9, the Black Agenda Project with Dr. David Muhammad is on on uh, Wednesday evening from 9 to 10. Uh, on Fridays, Time for an Awakening is back from 8 until. On Saturdays, the Elders of Sankofa with, with uh, Brother Alfonso Watkins from 7 to 9 p.m. on Saturday evenings. Then on Sunday, Time for an Awakening is back from 7 until. You know, I'm going to pass uh hopefully listening audience have heard this when we put it up for podcast they'll hear reverend pinkney's request about writing the minister and let him know what's going on with the mayor up there and benton harbor uh uh, uh, uh shoot what's his name marcus muhammad and mm-hmm. we've had guests on whether it was dr aleem uh whether it's david muhammad that does a program on wednesday uh Brother Ridgely Muhammad, who's involved in the uh, uh, African American, the the, uh, the Black Farmers and Agriculturalists Association, Sister Eva Muhammad, we've had several of them on. I'm gonna pass this word on to them to communicate to them about uh, Marcus Muhammad up there in Benton Harbor, and something needs to be because the people are screaming, and something needs to be done. Uh, I'm gonna keep uh, the audience abreast on uh, what uh, Reverend Pinkney is doing and what is we call petition. And again, the struggle continues. I want to thank everybody listening to the program this evening. Lively discussion, as always, and we'll be back on Friday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace. Peace. If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon, Children playing after school. They seem to be so unaware. Oh, I know, I know the things that they'll soon have to take care of. Oh
Children to save the children.